Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. Coming up on today's show, Max Free painted a really nice picture on Friday. And speaking of Friday, there was a collective gasp in Flowery Branch, but then a sigh of relief over the weekend. And last but not least, in for the culture, oh, Tim Anderson, what are you doing? It's ATL Day Ones. Let's go. This is ATL Day Ones. Part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. I want to start by saying thank you for making ATL Day One your first listener today. Remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure that you leave us a five star review. Really appreciate that from you in advance. ATL Day Ones is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Also, this episode of ATL Day Ones is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to learn more. Coming up in 10 minutes. How about this? What is going on with Jeff Akuda? We got an update for you, so stick around for that. But first, we got to talk about... The Atlanta Braves, T, they lose the series to the Chicago Cubs overall, but I think the overarching theme for this weekend was the fact that Mark Max Free painted the best picture you possibly could paint after being out for three months since May the 5th and coming off of the IL in his first start in the big leagues against the hottest team in Major League Baseball. No people saying, like, oh, the Braves. No, 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 no. Chicago Cubs are the hottest team in Major Leagues right now. And for him to go out there and just mow down folks, even his former homeboy, Dansby Swanson, you got to be saying to yourself, oh, my God, if this is what we're in for for the rest of the season and I'm going on to the playoffs, I think the Braves might be cooking with grease tea. I hope so. And, yeah, mowed down Dansby twice, to be exact, yes, Friday night, absolutely. which is great. And, yeah, <laughs> six scoreless innings. I mean, we talked on the show just Friday ahead of the game that if he could just give five, and yeah. not give up more than three runs and walk away unharmed, meaning that he didn't re-injure himself or incur a new injury, that that would be a win. So this, especially because of what we saw the rest of the weekend, what we saw out of Max Reed was so encouraging. And I will tell you, just watching from afar, I guess my other thing is I just want to see where he's going to land. In other words, if he's really, really good, and so far, it's Monday. We have not heard anything otherwise, by the way. But if Max right. Reed is really, really good, then that is exciting for me when I go and kind of take a look at where they're going to be and what the rotation looks like in the next few series. As long as I see Freed listed there, everything's really, really good. But yeah, absolutely the story of the weekend, despite the fact that the Braves couldn't walk away from Chicago with a series win. They walked away with not just a win, but it was still a statement when in being able to shut out the Cubs, which, like you said, hottest team in baseball. And it was by a mile. They, they had like 152 yeah. runs and the Braves were coming in with 102 and the, Bra the Braves were a distant second. So to be able to shut them out behind Max Freed and a nice performance when the bullpen came in for the final three. Yeah, that that was pretty encouraging. Absolutely. And, and, and when you think about like no, no walks. Now you're talking about control, you know, coming off the coming off the IL, like the control is always going to be an issue or what you question until you actually see it for yourself. We've seen that, like no walks, 
eight strikeouts, T, only yes. three little mini singles, you know? So the, when you see those type of things, and, and Brian Snickers was even like, he was like, this is much more what I expected. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm with you too, Snit. <laughs> you know, I didn't expect to see that because here's why I'm like super uber excited about this is the fact that like you have, you know, two guys who I am very concerned about right now. We're going to talk about them in just a minute with Bryce Elder and Charlie Ward. So when you bring Max Fried into the occasion, you don't have to worry about trying to, okay, maybe the Spencer Strider have to go into this ace role or, you know, uh, once the season or once the postseason gets rolling because Max Fried isn't like, isn't himself or he isn't that guy, you know. So now that you know that, okay, all you got to do is just remain healthy and he'll be good to go. So you still got your, 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 your two guys and, you know, you can kind of go think about going on short rest because, of what, what's going on right now with Charlie Morton and, and Bryce Elder would bring me to this point, T. Like, do we have to have to start having conversations about who's going to be that third starter? You know, because we know that their pitcher rotation shrinks once you get into the playoffs. And are we going to be depending on Kyle Wright, who's supposed to be back in September? Yeah. And that's the thing that made me uneasy. The yeah. thought of having to depend on two guys, Max Fried included, two guys who have been on the IL for as long as both of them have been, because again, right. this is only the first outing for Max Fried coming off the IL. So we need to kind of see a couple more starts. I do believe we'll see consistency, but we kind of need to see it. And I think that other piece is okay. Everyone else in your rotation has been up and down, right? But you right. had three solids, you had three solids going in for quite a while. And then all of a sudden, Bryce Elder and Charlie Morton, the rails have fallen off. And I think I understand Charlie Morton falling off the rails a bit better than I understand Bryce Elder because Charlie yeah. Morton's 39. Yeah. So for him to have a stat line like he did yesterday, four and a third innings, where he had more runs on him, on him than he had hits, five runs, uh, excuse me, strikeouts, five runs, four strikeouts. I mean, at 39 and you've actually been taxed going – beyond five innings for the last several games, this is what I expected to see potentially out of Charlie Morton. Hate it, but not surprising. Bryce Elder is a bit more of a head scratcher. I'm wondering, speaking of, mm -hmm. is it a head job? Is it that situation? Now he's in his own head? Or is there something there as far as maybe it's, it'll even put him on the short term, the 15-day IL? But what is it? Is it physical? Is it mental? Or is it both? Because the guy that we saw that had everybody saying he maybe was battling Orlando Arcia for the most surprising performance of the season, first half, now we're here. This is a little bit concerning. Um, Grant McCullough said something very interesting last night on Sports Extra um, on 11 Alive. He said that, you know, they kind of – brought me to a point where it started maybe thinking about the type of picture that Bryce Elder is, right? He's saying, talking about how he's not, he doesn't necessarily have, you know, that guy's always talking about the stuff, like the swinging right. me stuff. Yes. You know, yes. he doesn't necessarily have that. So he's a, um, a guy who's more about location, yes. which is totally understandable. So when though that location isn't quite where it needs to be, mm -hmm. and he has to throw that ball over the plate, they looking like beach balls, essentially. And guys are just taking them deep. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. And going wherever they want to with the with the baseball. So I think when you have that type of situation going on, I don't know if that's necessarily mental or it might just be what it is at this point. So I think that, you know, that's something that the Braves are going to have to really think long and hard about, about 
how they go about things as we as the season winds down. Because, like, you know you got to have three guys. It just right now, because Charlie Morton, like you said, he's 39 years old. And we're used to seeing Charlie Morton kind of break down from an injury standpoint, you know, towards the end of the season because the dude's been in the league forever. So, like, I'm not I'm not too surprised by by uh by Morton, but like you said, Elder is the concern. And and given how his his makeup, I don't know if you can necessarily fix this in season. So yeah. And I'm definitely gonna keep an eye on that. But real quick, T, before we get out of here, I gotta talk about this. You know, Eddie Rosario, let me give you some numbers. Since July 1st, T, this dude is batting 167 with an OPS of 508. He has been absolutely awful. Um, what is he worth to the Braves right now? Like, is he more of a liability than an asset? Yeah, it's starting to seem that way because, again, he was a part of what I'll call miscues and mis missed opportunities in that right. rubber match. And this yeah. is something that we're starting to see as well. If you're not going to be that guy at the plate, at least be that guy in the outfield. That's one thing we can say about Michael Harris. The second, we never had a question about how he was going to play never. in center field when his right. bat wasn't, you know, when it was really a quiet bat. Right. Right. That's to me, that's the bigger concern. Like Eddie Rosario isn't giving the Braves anything in the outfield or at the plate. So, yeah, I do think right now he is a liability. And I hope and pray that I'm like, oh, you know, is something going wrong with his eyes again? Like, you know, because sometimes you have complications from those types of delicate surgeries months mm -hmm. and months and months down the road. So that was the first thing I was like, man, if he can't see the ball, he can't make contact with the ball. Or if the ball is coming to him, even though it may seem like a fly that's easy to catch, that might be not be an easy fly ball for him to catch. So yeah, that makes me a little concerned, but I do know that there are a lot of utility guys that uh, Alex Anthopoulos has gone after. I believe Sam Hillier might be one uh, good example and some others, if you will, uh, more, more recently one of the guys that he got closest to the trade deadline. I feel like they're okay as far as what those individuals can bring to the outfield, but I don't think any of them is much better at the plate. So that piece is what kind of bothers me about him too. And you got Kevin Pillar, who's supposed to be Kevin, a yes, left-handed specialist, yes. you know what I'm saying? So yeah, it seems like he may be the guy that you want to piece in there, but you know, like Eddie Rosario is a guy who can get hot at any minute. He was the, the National League Championship Series MVP back in, you know, in 2021 when the Braves went on to win the World Series. So we know he can get hot, but, like, this yeah. is... This is the other it, side of that. This is too, the other side of, yeah. of surgery, yeah. eye surgery. Yeah. And I just mm -hmm. wonder if if that has something to do with it. Yeah, it may be. It, it may be. And hopefully, you know, the Braves can get back on track against the Pirates T. Uh, Mr. Spencer Strider is on the mound, so yeah. I'm expecting him to kind of... You know, make it happen tonight. So hopefully the Braves can get the win. And as they start this very long road series. Yeah. This episode of ATL Day Ones is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Because it is the number one sportsbook in America. Guess what, guys? They got this deal just right for you. All you got to do is drop 20 bucks. Yes, 20 bucks. And you're going to get up to $200 in bonus bets back win or lose. That's all you got to do. Drop the money in there. FanDuel.com slash Locked on. The app is safe, it's secure, super easy to use. You don't have to worry about anybody getting your information or anything like that. And plus, once that bet clears, guess what? You don't got to worry about chasing nobody down for your money. It's going to be right there instantly. So all you have to do, is, you know, is go to fanduel.com slash locked on and take advantage of 
you $20. All you got to do $200 up to, you know, up to $200, excuse me, and bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. L-O-C-K-D-D-O-N. FanDuel. Because it is the official sportsbook betting partner of Major League Baseball. Now, speaking of official, we haven't heard the official, official word on the expectations around when Jeff Okuda will return. But we do still have some good news to share with you about Jeff Okuda and what that means, not just to him, but to the DB room overall. So, of course, we know that word came out rampant word because it looked so bad in the beginning when Jeff Okuda went down, he's holding his ankle, he's carted off of the practice field, and you're thinking the worst, like, oh my goodness, just as this guy is starting to show shades and glimpses of who he can be, yet another injury to a guy who's been hampered by them his first couple of years in the league, only to get a good word from Arthur Smith on Saturday. Now, while he did not state exactly the timeline he did say the good news is that they expect him back very early in the regular season so that certainly says that the mri results must have shown that it was serious enough to keep him out for the preseason and maybe a couple games but not serious enough to lose him for the season how important is it to that db room and to what ryan nielsen is trying to do overall along with jerry gray how important is it for those guys to know that they have not lost jeff okuda for this entire season it's super important because here's the thing, like, because I'm the type of guy that once you learn someone's story, like, I start to root for the guy because, like you said, like you mentioned, the, you just laid it out, the injuries and all that stuff. And, and what a lot of people don't talk about, like, having an incompetent coach and, as in Matt, Matt Patricia, you know, and him trying to imitate Bill Belichick in every form and facet and knowing that he can't do that because he doesn't, he wasn't the guy that was the catalyst for all those uh, Super Bowls that they won in New England. So, when you have a guy having to deal with all that crap and having to deal with all the bus uh, talk, having to deal with media up there in Detroit that he wasn't necessarily favorable to because they start they turned on him as well. So not really trusting anybody. So for him to be traded for by the Falcons for a fifth round draft pick yeah. and knowing that his knowing that his uh, um, fifth year option wasn't going to get picked up, he had he had something to prove. He had a chip on his shoulder, obviously. So for him to come in here to be set up to, to do well, to play opposite of a guy that was his draft mate and A.J. Terrell, then you're talking about the D.B. whispering Jerry Gray, who's there, who said, hey, I can't wait to get my hands on this guy. Then you got Ryan Nielsen, the new defense coordinator, who's coming in here, who's aggressive, super energetic. Everybody's kind of getting on board with what he's bringing to the table each and every day. So all of those factors kind of come in and say, okay, this dude is set up for success. And for him to kind of get that injury, you're like, Man, you start to feel bad for him. But however, yeah. I, I feel like this is huge because you're talking about having probably one of the best secondaries in in, in potentially in the league, T. Yeah. Because like you said, we t- I've already said that AJ Terrell looks like he's he's getting back to where he would needs to be. Yeah. All you gotta do is stay healthy, you know, knock on wood or whatever. I ain't got no wood around me, but I'm I'm knocking on full wood right now. And then you're talking about Jesse Bates, who was an all pro, who has been an all pro in this league. And he's getting paid all pro type money, and he's looking to prove himself and, and, and justify that contract. Then you got a guy like Richard Grant, who we'll talk about in a while and in a little bit, who is is continuing to progress as well. So when you have all these factors, T, for 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 Arthur Smith to say, you know what, he doesn't have to give out an injury report, like you know, because it's not during the season. So for him to say, you know what, this guy's going to be back very early in the season. 
that to me that within the first six games, that's kind of where I'm putting that putting the marker. So I think that is absolutely huge for the Atlanta Falcons as a defense and what they're trying to do because hey, we know they want to be aggressive and they want to send pressure. So you gotta have guys who can back there who can actually cover. Yeah, and I would say as well, you want someone who can compliment AJ Terrell because the thought yes. of having just They've anybody been searching for a long time to <laughs> yeah, it just it would just be like it, it would just take the air or the wind out of the room because of how you saw so much potential in him and so much brilliance. And then you're looking on the other side and it was like bereft of talent. No, no right. offense to anybody, but let's just be honest. So yeah, that yeah. was also positive news. I think for that DB room overall, as you mentioned, but I think more importantly for AJ Terrell, just so that he could show, not just get back to who he was, but actually show you even better, which I think he can do once Jeff Okuda comes back. And the good news is this DB room is also deep enough to be able to, and when I say patchwork, I do not mean that to offend the Falcons, but saying that there's enough talent in the DB room for them to be able to handle the couple games that Jeff Okuda will be out at the beginning of the year. And part of the reason is because you have the likes of Richie Grant, who continues to come into his own. And one of the things I liked about, what Arthur Smith said about him is that he is basically he's impressive. Like he's really liking what he's seeing out of Richie Grant. He's making an impact. Those are big words and big compliments from Arthur Smith. He doesn't give them out unless he actually means it. So I no thought about that. And I, yeah. Thanks. And <laughs> right. And then Richie Grant was talking to our guys, Andy and Randy on Friday and just talking about how excited he is. He feels like he's literally got nowhere to go, but up. And he feels like, he is primed and ready to show what I thought was an interesting comment, how proud he is to have been a part of the first class for Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot. So I said, yeah, this is what you want to hear out of your third year guy who's now a bit of a veteran in the DB room. Man, there is some talk and some excitement around Richie Grant. And I think that he is definitely ready to deliver. Yeah, I, I'm with you because here's the thing. Like we we got a little peek into this last year, you know, or early on in the season when he had the interception versus the Seahawks to, to close down the game. Those are those are the plays that matter, right? Because we talked about that. The Falcons defense don't turn teams over enough. They don't give the offense easy opportunities, you know, or short fields to work with enough. And that's the thing that we said that they need to improve on. That's why they went out and got a guy like Jesse Bates. So when you think about it from that standpoint, it's like, okay, like We've seen flashes from this guy. Like, we saw him being able to adjust. Not necessarily, you know, the best nickel corner, but, hey, I can do it, coach. I got you. Yeah. I fill in. I do what I need to do. So, that was in his rookie year. So, in his second year, you say, hey, he was out there on the field for, you know, most of the most of the plays on snaps on defense last year. So, when you have that coming into play, then he out there making plays as well. Not just being out there. He was out there making plays. So, I think there's one thing that – and another thing that I feel like that's really huge is the fact that I got a chance to talk to uh, Jesse Bates last week, and I asked him about Richie, and all he did was just start smiling. He's like, yeah, Richie is a different type of dude, you know, in a good way. So because you start to feel like those guys are, are getting that type of synergy that they need to be able to fluctuate between you know, free and strong, sometimes they, they may move Jesse around because you never know what Ryan is going to be able to throw. Mm -hmm. And you already know Richie can fluctuate between that free and that strong safety. So... And he's got a little nickel experience, too, as well. Yeah. So there's yeah. a lot of possibilities 
and even throw Jalen Hawkins into their, you know, into that equation as well. So there are a lot of things that needs to happen in order for Ryan Nielsen to start getting these guys to work together. And I think they're starting to do that as the the, the um, training camp progresses on. Yeah, and one thing about Richie Grant, too, I think he took to heart in a positive way when Dean Pease basically called him out and said he had another playbook and he does not know yep. what's going on. And yep. he took that to heart, came back that second year, and you could tell that he'd studied up. And even now, you're just seeing more and more of, wow, Richie Grant is looking like a leader. He's looking like a guy who the game has slowed down exponentially for. And that's just going to be really good stuff for the Falcons, right? But you guys, let us know what your thoughts are because, hey, and hey, guys, we think that Richie Grant is about to ball out this season. But what do you guys think? Let us know by dropping us a comment like you always do in the chat when you check us out on YouTube. And of course, don't forget to download ATL Day Ones wherever you get your podcasts. But T, this is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, the culture, and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about because that's just how we get down on this show. Today is no different. T, when you think about Tim Anderson for the Chicago White Sox, like I really look back at his career when he first started coming into the, you know, coming into the league. You started to hear about him. And then next thing you know, he just burst on the scene, started going crazy. Then, you know, there was a sequence of events that, you know, dealing with, you know, with the wife and then on the field start his play wasn't where it's supposed to be. Then he fast forward to this year, you know, got the trade rumors potentially. Then he ends up sticking around with the team after they basically sell up basically sell off everyone that, that was worth a flip on the team outside of Dylan C's. But now, T, it seemed like he had to get a little frustration out uh, over the weekend. And uh, he tried to run on Mr. Ramirez, T, and uh, he got put on his keister. He got dropped like a bad habit. Like, what is going on with Tim Anderson, T? Like, the band squared up on the man, and he ended up getting knocked square on his behind. <laughs> And first of all, I know this is not what you asked. It's not the question you asked. It's but fine. Wherever you want to go, it's fine. No, right. Because there, you know that side that, um, you know, most broadcasters, most sportscasters don't want to find themselves on awful announcing. Right. And when I heard that guy say, down goes Anderson, I was like, what? <laughs> down goes Anderson? I know full well that you did not just disrespect the sanctity of one of the greatest and most familiar calls in the history of sports time. You can only say one name with that. Down goes. Come on with it, Jarvis. Down goes. Frazier. Frazier. Down goes. Frazier. <laughs> Anderson should never be the way you complete that sentence. So I'm sorry. I know that is not where you asked to go, but I just had to go there because I heard that again this morning and it was like fingernails on a chalk. Oh my God. So, you know, like. My whole thing is with all of this, right, and specifically what you just mentioned, like, if Tim Madison hadn't hopped his happy behind up and squared up on Mr. Ramirez, nope. yeah, that's what I'm that's what I'm referring to him as because here's the thing. Like, when you square up like that, the assumption is that you know how to fight. And a lot of times, guys go into these type of situations thinking that they're about to box somebody. Right. But in actuality... It ain't, a, it's about survival. It ain't about tactic. And you know what I'm saying? In that particular situation, they just trying to swing to get, to connect because yeah. you never know what's going to connect. And I don't even think Ramirez knew that he connected the way he did because T, 
if you look at the the, the different angles, because you know I was I was getting into it. I found a different angle, and I was looking at the angle and the wind. Ramirez kind of came over the top like like so. He kind of grazed Anderson's shoulder, so he didn't really connect fully. He barely connected. And that dude chin went to his chest so doggone quick. And you just saw that man just fall out. And then when they was trying to you know get him off the field, he was you could still kind of see how how doozy he was. And I was just like, dude, your chin is too weak for you to be out here squaring up on folks like that. Because Mr. Ramirez wasn't having any of it. And my whole thing is, T. Mr. It's time for it. Like if if he don't request a trade this offseason, like I don't even know. Like even if a new team will help. Like I'm even thinking about like man, Tim Anderson should probably just retire at this point. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just over for him. <laughs> yeah, I think it's yeah. over. Like yeah, it's he over was for just you, on so. the mat with those little. Um, remember the stars and the birds that used to fly around the cartoon <laughs> characters' heads? <laughs> He's probably still on the mat like that. <laughs> Oh my god! And it it did, you know. T like, I don't know if you saw this. You know, we we talk about this, uh, you know, pre-show, but like the way he was tweeting, he was tweeting. T like, he was talking about all type of stuff. Like, oh, he said, "I'm hope you picking up what I'm putting down." Y'all got me messed up for real, for real. No, you got yourself messed up. For squaring up on Mr. Ramirez. Yes. You the one that squared up on him. Like, what yes, is this did. y'all stuff, T? Yes, you did. You, <laughs> Tim Anderson. You. And wait a minute. I'm going to take it all the way back to about five years ago when, um, what was it that oh. uh, on the Tom Joyner morning show? It wasn't Busta of the Week, but it was like, you know, would they call you like the idiot of the week or something donkey like that? Donkey of the day, donkey of the day. Yeah, like, about yeah. Breakfast club. Yeah, yeah. yeah. donkey of the day. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna go, go with donkey of the day. Yeah, yeah. that's you. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. big one. Mm-hmm. That is you. <laughs> and you just remember you. It was always funny because you wanted to say you wanted to know who the donkey of the day was, but you were like, mm-hmm. Whew, "I hope I never do anything in life to be the donkey of the day." Well, Tim Anderson, you wow. have done that. You have and that then... distinction. <laughs> I got one. Everybody else, keep your little Twitter fingers to yourself. (laughs) Yes, I got one more tweet. This is just too good. I'm sorry. He said, Y'all keep kicking me while I was down. Like, we don't have to. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have to kick you while you're down because Mr. Ramirez put you down. So, like, there's nothing to be done at this point. Like, when you, like I said, when that chin hit that chest, T, that's how you know it's over. Like, they call fights after that. Like it is. There's no need for the, right. the stump out part because you know how sometimes when you get on the ground, people try to go after you and get you know finish you off with the yeah. whole stump situation. No, ain't no ATL stumping going on. Like no. Mr. Ramirez, he handled all that for you, Tim. And yeah. stop tweeting, sir. Please stop, stop it. Tweeting. Stop it because that's <laughs> that is what gives people the entree to go in on you. They're kicking yes. you while you're down because you kept on. Stop all that. Stop all that because you know people wait to come for you when you're yeah. that person if you don't back it up. And clearly, yeah. you didn't really back that up. So there's that. But hopefully, Spencer Strider 
will yeah. back things up like we expect him to do. He'll back up all of the smoke that everybody's been giving him across the majors by giving the Braves another quality start as they begin that series against the Pirates, a four-gamer. So, yeah, this is some type of road trip. I know that the Pirates aren't that good, but that's still grueling trying to go from Chicago to Pittsburgh and then trying to reset. So hopefully we'll have a dub to talk about on Tuesday. And obviously the Falcons are headed to Miami to begin their joint practices tomorrow and Wednesday. But if we hear anything out of Flowery Branch, and there's some other stuff that we wanted to talk to you guys about as well as camp continues. And of course, anything else on the grid of sports here in Atlanta, if it happens here in the A, you hear it right here right on ATL Day Ones. And last but not least, before we get out of it, make sure you guys both share love, show love, stop squaring up on folks, and spread some love.